Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. Good morning. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you this morning. We're going to take a theme uh, for a few weeks, for some weeks. Uh, obviously, as we approach December, we'll take the, the theme of Christmas, the Advent theme. And so we, this will be something that we'll sort of start and maybe carry into part of the new year as well. But I'm looking at a theme from, uh, on the, the life of Joseph. It's found in the book of Genesis. And if you want to read sort of Genesis from about chapters, I suppose, chapters 30, 32 to through to 50 at some point in your time in the future, that would be good. And uh, we'll be looking particularly at Joseph, a man called Joseph, one of the patriarchs, referred to as a patriarch of Israel, and his life. And there's a lot of practical things that we're going to just pick out from his life in the weeks um, ahead as we look at this together. But uh, uh, to sort of set the theme, so really this morning's an introduction, and the series is called God Meant It For Good. It's something that Joseph said himself to his brothers. In uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it's come up on screen, but if you want to turn to it in your Bible, towards the end uh, where Joseph becomes a very powerful man in the life in the country of Egypt, his brothers are, are quaking in their boots. Um, they meant harm for him. They tried to kill him. They sold him into slavery. They did evil to him and to his heart. They turned against him. And uh, we'll look at that in the future. But they were really afraid for their lives because Joseph had become a very powerful man in Egypt, only second to Pharaoh himself. And um, they were quaking in their boots. And, 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 but, but Joseph forgave them. And he comes up with this line. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that he says. He says to his brothers, you intended harm for me all those years ago. This is now some 14 years later after he's risen to power. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended harm, but God intended it for me for good. And uh, it's sort of really the theme that will run through what we'll be looking at together over the, you know, the weeks and months ahead. There are three things that I want to introduce really this morning. And the first one um, is uh, this, the power of the purpose of God. Three simple things that we're going to look at just as we introduce this sort of series over the next week. So be a little bit different this morning. I'm going to paint in broad strokes as we introduce this. But the first thing is this that there is power in the purpose of God for your life and my life. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, are, and, and rightly so, and I understand that, we've been looking at this, lots of people are concerned today, concerned for life, concerned in our nation, concerned in the world, with the way the economy is going, with the, you know, with, with, for, the, for your own health, for mental health, the, of the aftermath of a pandemic, whether that's still effects of that yet to come, you know, there's, there's that aspect. And so there's a lot of, and with war and rumours of war and wars, and so with all that's going on in the, the economy, there's a lot of concern. And I understand that, and we would say, yeah, to, to some sense, rightly so. 
that is then also channeled and amplified in our media. Because bad news sells, doesn't it? Bad news sells, everybody. And so bad news is good news for the media. I don't mean that in a horrible way, but it, it sells. And so uh, it, it's amplified. And so the, there's a lot of bad news there's potential. So it amplifies the way in which we all feel. And there's a lot of angst and, uh, for people. And we get that. But, you know, um, for Joseph, there was a lot of bad news in his life. You know, a lot of stuff went on in his life that where he was sold into slavery, he was thrown into a pit to die. He was sold into slavery. Uh, when, he was, uh, when he became a slave, he was accused of sexual assault, which was not the case. He was thrown into a prison to die. He, he was left rotting in a prison for some years for the people who said, remember me, and they never did, and they never did, and then he come up to, to rise to power. But in that time, he never gave up. He never gave up, and he never let go of God. He was battered and bruised. He was upset. He was at times almost probably nearly broken, but he never let go of God, and God never let go of him. And there's something about the power and purpose of God, and, and Joseph says this towards the, when he comes up to, it comes through all of this in, in what I just read in chapter 50, he says, God, in, you intended it for bad, but God intended it for good. He had hindsight. Hindsight's a great thing in life, isn't it? You know, some years from now, we'll have hindsight of where our lives, what has gone, how when we've clung to God, what he's done in our lives. And you can look back. And this is what Joseph had. He had hindsight. But hindsight, as he saw the weave, the thread of the purpose of God and the plan of God, for his life. You see, there's something about the, there's power in God's purpose and plan for you and me. Not only little old you and me, but for the universe, for the nations, our nation, and the very whole of creation. God has a purpose, and it cannot be thwarted, no matter what we go through. And I'm not saying that glibly. Joseph experienced this personally, and we'll look at this. It's weaved through. I'm painting the broad picture. But we can, if we can understand this, we understand everything. The God's plan, God's purpose for creation, the world, everything that's in it, you and me. When it comes down to you and me. Now, a man called Elton Trueblood, Christian pastor, teacher, and great writer, he said this. The Christian on this idea of purpose, and this is what Joseph discovered of the sovereign plan of God, right? There's an old-fashioned word, well, not an old-fashioned word, but a word that's not used much, the providence of God. The power, protection, and God's direction for our lives. And Elton Trueblood said this, The Christian is, a joy, is joyful, not because he is blind to injustice and suffering. The, oh boy, is he speaking into our world today. But because he is convinced that these, in the light of divine sovereignty, are never, they're never ultimate. The Christian can be sad and often is perplexed, but he is never really worried because he knows that the purpose of God is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together into one head, even to Jesus Christ. He says there that the Christian is worried. You and I will be worried. We're perplexed. Why are you doing this, God? What's happening? What's happening to my life? We can be perplexed. And yet we know that all things, the whole of the universe, the whole of creation is being brought to relationship through, to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. That's incredibly, and nothing can get in the way of God when you give your, open your heart to God, of God having his relationship with you and working out that relationship, his plans and purposes working out in, through your 
and my life. And this is something that Elton Trueblood uh, is saying here. You know, um, it's as we submit to God's purpose and plan for us that he can work out his purpose and plan through our lives. So it's him, not me. And so I speak to a lot of people that talk about, I have a purpose in life. I've, I've got plans for life. And you hear lots of pastors and teachers talk about, you are meant here for purpose and plan. And, and that's absolutely right, the purpose of God working through my life. But there's a danger that a lot of us in the age in which we live can say, these are my plans, I've got my life, this is my job, I've got the ability, I've created this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go here. And, this is... and you do have a life, but it's a life under God. And it's important to remember that the, when we speak about the plans and the purpose of God, not being able to be thwarted in and through your life is as I submit and yield my life to God in relationship, that he, in relationship with me, works out purpose and his plans through my life. Now, that's, 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 that's quite important. In fact, I would say that's fundamental in knowing certainty and hope for your life. Because if you and me go and do our, our own thing without God and then say to God, well, will you please bless it? I've got plans. Will you bless it? That's not quite what we're saying here. What we're saying here is, God, this is my life. I give my life to you. You've got your God who is good. Your word says you've got good plans. Now, I want to relate to you. I want to love you. Now work through me. And you'll find then that God's plans and purposes are good for your life and they'll work through your life. But that's very different from you and I saying, this is my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I, and then as an afterthought say, oh, can you bless that, please, God? And then we wonder where and our lives get shaken. And so what we see with Joseph, and we'll see as the weeks go by, and we can learn from our own lives, is it's as I submit to God's purpose, and his purpose for you and I is he wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He loves me. And, and in that relationship, he then will work out his plan and purpose for your heart and for your life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Apostle Paul picks up on this amazingly when he says this. And you probably know it really well. It's a verse that's often quoted and we lay hold to when we're going through tough times in our lives. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that God works in all things for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so for you and I, we're called to purpose. That purpose is a relationship with God. And as we relate to God and yield and give our lives to God, his plans and purposes begin to work through our lives and through your life, and they cannot be stopped. Even when you and I will go through hard times, when the world is being shaken, when we have a doctor say a certain thing about sickness or whatever happens to your life, when your finances come a certain way, when we yield our hearts and lives to God's love and relationship, he begins to work out his plans and good purposes through us. They cannot be shaken. But if we go and do our own thing and build our lives on what we want, then that's when things can get shaken. Second thing is this. Um, and so we'll see this. The power and purpose of God, it works through Joseph's life. And at the very end, he looks back and says, you did it for bad, but God has worked this out. It's to come good. It's come good because this is God's plan for me and so for you and I too. And this is where uh, we can know a sense of hope and certainty. Second thing is this is the triumph of faith. 
You know, Joseph was adored by his father. He was the, num- the top one. There, there, there was 13, uh, Jacob had 13 children. That was a big family. He had uh, four wives. It's a big family. I'm not advocating four wives, by the way. Or, for, or you advocating four husbands. So I don't know. But, uh, yeah. And, and, and there was a lot of sibling rivalry in that family. Because uh, uh, Jacob was a man who preferred one wife than the other. And then each of those wives had a maidservant, chief maidservant. And the maidservant gave Jacob, he took them as wives. If you read the story of Jacob, it was quite a complicated family life. And Joseph was one of those sons, one of the younger sons, not the youngest, but the young son, who uh, jo- uh, um, Jacob loved and adored. And he gave him a, a, a very, um, a coat. It says a coat of many colors. It probably was a coat that was like a royal coat, a coat that was designed not for working, but for ruling. That's what it's designed. And so Jacob, uh, Joseph was adored by his father, but that adoration elevated him, and so he became hated by his other brothers. You'll see this. The brothers ended up hating because uh, Joseph was treated as top dog, and he was the youngest, and it should have been one of the older brothers who was going to receive all the inheritance. And so there was a sibling rivalry. There was rivalry between the wives and the different wives. At, at different, uh, there was, this was uh, huge stuff going on. Talk about this day and age, we speak of families and dysfunction. This was a bit of a dysfunctional family that Joseph came out of. And he was hated by his brothers. Um, um, The brothers planned to murder him. They threw him in a pit so they could get rid of him. They decided not to murder him, but sell him into slavery. In all of this time, you know, Joseph is having to hold on to God. He was later, when he was sold into slavery, God favoured him. He, the, the wife of his master accused him of sexual assault. And, and so it was something that wasn't true. And uh, he, he, all the time he'd hold on to God. In that time, he was then thrown into prison. And in, those, in that part of the world and in that time, prison wasn't meant for rehabilitation. Prison was meant to kill you. Right? You know, you, our, some of our prisons are overcrowded in our nation. And, and they're not a nice place to be, obviously. But our prisons are supposed to be designed for rehabilitation. Well, whatever. But in those days, you would, they were designed to kill, to get rid of you, okay? And he was put into prison. Uh, in that time, he interprets the dreams of, of, of some people in that prison. He, he, he asks them, if they get out, please remember me to Pharaoh. And they don't. They forget him. Until one day when Pharaoh has a dream, one of those people remember and they recommend Joseph to interpret that dream. Joseph interprets that dream for Pharaoh and is given the second highest place in the land on the back of that dream. He becomes only second to Pharaoh himself. And, uh, and so what we see in, in that quick thumbnail sketch of, of something like 13 years of Joseph's life, what I've just described there is about 13 years of his life. What we see there is uh, that uh, in that time, there's a sense of triumph over testing because what we see there is Joseph has, continues in faith. might not always be explicit in the text, but it's implicit in the text, is that he continues in his faith through the ups and downs, the testing times, the horrible times. I don't know where, you, where you're at today in your life. What's going on? The challenges that you're facing in family and home and, 
and with your finance and, 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 and worried about your, your children or, or, you, or maybe you've been, doctors have said, with your health or the circumstance that, that worries us about what's going on economically. It's worrying a lot of people. If, if we're not worried overtly, at the back of our minds, we're worried about how much it's going to cost for the heating or the electric or whatever it is, I don't know, that's going on in life. And there's this under, underlying angst that you, I meet with a lot of people in general. And what we see is in through those tests and the ups and downs of, of life, we see Joseph continuing. It's a triumph of faith, of trust. And what we see there is that, that, that Joseph's character, we'll see, um, grows in that time he, he, and, and he matures in his character. He's a 17-year-old young man. He's a bit cocky when he starts off with his dreams, telling his brothers immediately, I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to be. But, but when he's in his 30s, much later, he's saying to his brothers, I forgive you. He matures. He, be, he matures. Joseph matures as a young man and as he grows. And, he's, and his faith grows as well. And so through some circumstance, when you're feeling challenged, we don't feel, oh, this is going to help me grow. When you're financially worried, when you've been given some news about health or a health scare, we don't think that and we don't look at it like that. But as we embrace God and continue to hold on God, God holds us on, holds on to us all the more. And so our character grows and we mature. But also what we see with Joseph is that his relationship with God gets deeper. And so Joseph's relationship gets deeper with God. He has a, a deeper and more mature relationship with God. Uh, even as a young man, he was in his 30s by the time he reaches the height of, of power. And uh, we see this with Joseph's life. It, he interprets dreams with 17 years of age, saying, look at me. I, this is what I'm going to be. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and says, only God can bring the interpretation. By the time he's 30, he's changed. And so he grows deeper in his relationship with God. He grows deeper in his faith in God. And it's the challenge and tests of time that seem to have done this. And we can see how this helps us grow. And we can come through and grow as we hold on to God. And, and, so, and finally, the third thing is this. That, so there's a, we see in, in, in this, as we look together, uh, power of the purpose of God, the triumph of our faith as we continue to hold on. And God holds on to us. But finally, there's healing power in forgiveness. There is an incredible Healing power in forgiveness. I would say this is remarkable. Remarkable. You see, the rulers of Egypt had godlike authority. The Pharaoh of Egypt, and Joseph was taken and sold into slavery in Egypt. And when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, that everybody was scared stiff. Because if you didn't get it right, they only had to click their fingers and, and you were beheaded, you were, you were dead. Pharaohs were treated like gods. That's how the people treated them. They, they would worship the ruler. And, and Joseph became second only to Pharaoh. And so he would have been treated almost godlike. He would have been treated almost godlike. He would have had that type of power. Now, we, don't, you know, we might not see what it is it to have that type of power today. You know, but he had, they, they had that type of sense of power. Now, we understand that only God has ultimate power. But they, the rulers of the day had that type of power. And so... Joseph had that type of power when he became second only to Pharaoh. He had the power of life and death. He only had to sigh the wrong way and you were dead. It was that type of power. And so no wonder his brothers were quaking in their boots when, when they first met him. They thought, this ruler will kill us. And they were quaking in their boots when their dad, Jacob, 
Israel when he, Jacob died because they thought on the death of their father, Joseph then would kill them in, in, towards the end of, of their lives. And there is this sense of real sense of power. And yet Joseph, um, he would only have to breathe or, or click his fingers and they could have been killed. And so there was a sense of sheer terror with his siblings. And yet Joseph forgave. He said, what you meant for harm, God intended for good. He forgave his brothers. It's, it's spectacular. You, as we go on, and we'll look at this, you'll see from the text, it's quite amazing. Because the brothers, when they first threw him into a pit to have him dead, they then made a bit of a meal and ate together. They were really callous in the way in which they treated him in trying to kill him. And yet he absolutely, completely forgives them. It's the power. And that forgiveness healed his entire family. It healed his relationship with his dad, the relationship with his dad and the wives and all, and all the various different wives, or the brothers together. There would have been something like over 70 with all their servants. It was a huge family. And their entire, the ripple effect of that forgiveness healed the entire family. But that was just the beginning. That was nothing. You know, it's great if you can have healing in your entire family. As a, there'd be probably a lot of people sitting here this morning saying, I'd love, I'd love to have a great relationship with everybody. Aunts, uncles, cousins, children, you know, uh, you know uh, long lost friends, whatever it might be. But it didn't just rest there. It led to the growth of a healthy nation. The whole of all of, all of Israel then settled for the next generation. In the northern part of Egypt, which was very lush, and they were given a lot of land because Joseph then said, we'll give you this land. He had the power to give land to all the family and friends. And it said then that they, during Joseph's lifetime, he lived a very long life, they multiplied to tens if not hundreds of thousands of people. The nation of Israel grew. It came out of Jacob's name, was changed to Israel. And Israel grew. It grew to a mighty nation. It's quite spectacular under the protection of Joseph because he forgave. If we didn't have Israel, if we didn't have the nation, we wouldn't have had Jesus. If we didn't have Jesus, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. That's how effective it is for you and me. Not something that was just a million miles away. He healed a family, healed a nation. But forgiveness goes even further than that. It heals the whole of creation. Forgiveness is at the very heartbeat of God's. It's at the very heart of God. And so forgiveness heals the very universe Forgiveness is the heartbeat of God. It heals creation. It heals the universe itself. When Joseph forgave, it paved the way to heal the universe because it's from one of the brothers, Judah, not Joseph. Joseph was the one who paved the way, but it was from Judah, one of Joseph's brothers, that Jesus came from that tribe. It's quite incredible, remarkable. It's amazing. That forgiveness has a healing power far beyond you with one, but it could be you with many. It could be you with and have an effect that you can't even imagine. A miraculous effect, a healing power of forgiveness. It was on the cross that Jesus said in Luke 23, and with this we close. Luke 23 verse 24, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. As Jesus nailed to the cross, writhing in pain and agony, bleeding to death, taking the sins of the universe, the whole world, seeking your sin and my sin. This was over 2,000 years ago. He had you on his heart, you on his mind. How amazing is that? That when he forgave, it healed you. 
and it healed me. Pardon me for saying it, but I'm gobsmacked to say it. It's amazing. Healing is incredible. And we can see this is an amazing story of the healing power of forgiveness. The healing power of forgiveness. So let's entrust our hearts to God that he, we may have a living relationship with him, that he might work his purpose and plan that is irresistible. His purpose and plan for this nation, for our church, for your life, for your family as we submit and yield to him is irresistible. Let's Give our hearts to him in faith and hope because faith will triumph ultimately as we hold on to him, he holds on to us. And let's forgive completely from our hearts. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us forgive those who have hurt us and ask forgiveness for those that we have hurt that we might see complete forgiveness and the healing power released through us and amongst us and around us. Let's pray together. If the worship team would come back, that would be amazing. God bless you and thank you for listening. Thank you for being here this morning. And uh, we, let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and we know that it's, you know, it's all very well, Adrian Mancini, speak about forgiveness unless you forgive yourself. And uh, I, I do. Father God, I pray that you help me, Holy Spirit, you know, for the people that I hurt, have hurt or hurt. And uh, I pray for my own heart to be soft Soften my heart, Lord Jesus. Soften my heart today, Lord Jesus. Um, and enliven my heart today, Lord Jesus, so I don't become calloused by worry or, 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 or sidetracked by, by the things of this age. Soften my heart, Lord, I pray this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, soften our hearts. Open up our hearts to your spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning. We open up our hearts to you, Jesus, we pray. Let nothing stand in the way. We give our lives to you afresh, Father God, that your plan and purpose may be worked out in me and through me. Uh, whatever that means, Lord. Forgive me if I'm making my own plans and then asking you to rubber stamp them rather than coming to you and saying, this is my life. I'm giving it to you. Now lead me. I believe, we come to faith, the triumph of faith. I believe, and yet I would cry out with that man who said, help me in my unbelief, Jesus, when your doctor has said there's certain things that they can't do. I believe this morning, Jesus, but help us in our unbelief. A grain of mustard seed will move a mountain. We pray for a release of mountains in the name of Jesus this morning here. Pray for those that have had uh, doctor's reports about their sickness those that are taking and fighting cancer, as it were. Shall I pray, Lord, for a release of mountains in the name of Jesus over people's lives today, Father. Please, we pray. Holy Spirit, come and touch hearts and minds and bodies in the name of Jesus. We pray and release the healing power of forgiveness. We forgive. We forgive. We forgive those that have hurt us, Father, and place our lives in your hands that you... Those will, they, people answer to you. They don't answer to me in the name of Jesus this morning, Father, we pray. We pray for a release of healing in this place. Healing in relationships, healing of hearts, healing of people's bodies and minds, and the healing of the Holy Spirit released here in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together as we sing and as we open our hearts and give our hearts afresh to him this morning. And let his healing grace and presence come upon and in and through your heart and life. That he might heal through your family and relationships. Touch our bodies this morning. Touch our lives. That we might be channels of peace for God to flow through us and amongst us. In Jesus' name.
faithful so. Oh.